Welcome back to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm. We have an NBA season right around the corner. Exciting times here. Outside of just football in the state, the Thunder are about to take off. And we are building up to all of our coverage here on Sellout Crowd, here at johnhamsports.com, going into the Thunder and more. Before we get going today, I want to thank our sponsors, MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and the Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. My guest today, and he's about to be uh, taking the reins here, but Michael Martin from Sellout Crowd is joining me once again uh, to talk about the Thunder. Michael, how are you today, sir? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, turning things over. I will get you the keys back in a timely manner. Well, here's what we're going to do. I have, I now have a 15-year-old daughter that I'm going to have to train how to drive soon. So with that same of shakiness in my hands, I'm going to hand the show over to you, Michael. And uh, I'll let you tee up today's topic and we'll dive right into it. Let's do it. Well, last week, John, ESPN released their 13th annual NBA rank uh, rankings where they go through the top 100 players in the NBA. You know, this ranking is always a topic of discussion, but this year in particular for Thunder fans, as Shea Gilgis Alexander was ranked as the eighth best player in the world, I wanted to know initially just what was your reaction when you first saw this? Yeah, and so to back up a little bit, obviously Shea Gilgis Alexander, first team All NBA player, and again there are some reasonable caveats to that, namely you know Devin Booker missed a lot of games last season, uh, Bradley Beal missed a lot of games last season, Damian Lillard was shut down towards the end of the season. Um, But I think this, once again, especially coming off of the summer FIBA performance, it's just sort of solidifying where Shea is at in the league. And Michael, the thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit is you have Shea Gildas-Alexander sandwiched between former Thunder uh, legend Kevin Durant and LeBron James. So right there between seven and nine, number eight is Shea Gildas-Alexander. Yeah, you know, however, however you slice it, the fact that the Thunder have this type of a player years after Kevin Durant left Oklahoma city is, uh, is pretty wild. It's insane. You see the guys around him and we'll get to that later, but going back one year, do you know where he was ranked last year in the top 100? You know, I'm trying to remember. I remember there was a lot of anticipatory uh, buzz sort of building about him. Still, I I would say he was probably somewhere in the mid twenties. Am I anywhere close on that? 48. He was at number 48. See, I was with way guy. off. Way off. Well, I mean, you you were probably closer to reality than they were. They were just wrong. But they had guys like <laughs> C.J. McCollum, Tyrese Maxey, Demonis Sabonis, Jared Allen, and DeAndre Ayton just sort of above and below him right near that mix. But he takes a 40-spot jump. What do you think was the biggest contributor that this season or last season? Well, one thing. This is what I love about, you know, obviously sports overall um, in the NBA in particular, uh, just the way that guys can make this one year type of a leap. You know, we spend an entire summer and we, we talk about some guys, we talk, we talk ourselves into them, we talk ourselves out. We don't want to be, oh, are we going overboard? Oh, are we being too harsh? And we come up with what we think is a reasonable number. And then sometimes you get a guy that just completely jumps off the page like Shea Gildas-Alexander has done. Um, 
you know, his game has been year to year. It's been almost like an iOS upgrade. You know, 15 uh, was better than 14, 16 better than 15, a few new features here and there. But if you go back, you wouldn't immediately notice a whole lot of drastically different things. But obviously, the product has improved just step by step over time. And, you know, I think this as often as Shea's getting to the free throw line, that's one sort of marker that teams look at, that efficiency that that creates by him doing that. Um, and, you know, becoming a 30-point-per-game scorer in the league. And on top of all that, it also helps when you have the Thunder expected to be like a 23-win team, making the kind of a jump that they did as a team last season. That's what is going to get people to notice you. That's when people are going to say, okay, if this team outperformed by that much, we can we can specifically look at the play of this guy and say this is not empty stats this is meaningful basketball play, meaningful production he's given. And all of that, I think, kind of factors in him taking this this giant leap in these um, in these rankings, which you can take with a grain of salt, if you like, or grab onto them and, and champion them at your own at your own risk. Yeah, it's quite the leap. I think that a lot of people are still adjusting from just the populace of basketball fans of not knowing exactly who Shea is and that he's a top 10 player because it feels like and I don't mean this in a condescending way. He's been sort of like the NBA smart guys that a lot of people like that you hear about with stats and things. And I think it's mm-hmm. sort of like everyone's finally getting caught up. Yeah, uh, that is the thing is that, you know, the the risk with a lot of, you know, NBA smart guys is you sometimes you latch on to someone that doesn't quite pan out and then you move on to the next guy. And it's always, you know, it's usually it a player that is he's improving and he's at a lower salary. And so you can be, you know, uh, you you can latch onto him early and kind of be with him as that stock rises. And, you know, Shea met that. And so the people that jumped on early, um, you know, they, they were very wise to do so. But even having said that, you know, the fact that he was an MVP candidate last season is, is just like an extra level as cautious, even last year on all of my podcasts, when we were trying to talk about Shea and his value in the league and how good he actually is, you know, everyone was still being a little bit cautious. And that's what I say. He just blew everything out of the water last year. I completely agree. ESPN said their reasoning for him going up 40 spots was him, him coming off the best season of his career. He averaged 31 points per game on 51% true shooting or 51% from the field. And it also mentioned like what you said about him carrying this, team of young guys the second youngest team in nba history only followed by the team the year before in the thunder to um a play-in spot that'll do it and that's you know again team performance goes a long way when we're talking about individual players that's what will get players into an all-star game or get them into an all-nba team and it's what i mentioned earlier how many players have we seen that are 20-point-per-game scores, 24-point-per-game scores, but they're on pitiful basketball teams. And, you know, they get labeled as, you know, as, as a player that doesn't affect winning. They don't impact winning at all. They, they just have all these empty stats. And, you know, people could have made that claim with Shea in the past couple of seasons as the Thunder were rebuilding, but now that the talent is sort of catching up a little bit and the team is taking off and Shea's the catalyst, you know, that all comes together and, and brings us into this number eight ranking. And just to carry on from what you're saying, a lot of these guys are giving Shea the stamp of approval, whether you hear J.J. Redick, uh, LeBron, Durant, and all kind of co-signing of like, this is a real guy. Whereas you mentioned earlier with some of the empty calorie guys, 
sometimes the stars kind of stay away from complimenting them, but all these guys have rushed over to just say how big of a fan they are of Shea. Yeah, and I think it's his game and his overall demeanor on the court is easy to win over a lot of guys. You know, he's not a selfish basketball player. Uh, He is a guy that can isolate one-on-one and, you know, get buckets on guys, but that's not his sole determination. When he comes down the court, uh, you know, he he gets other guys involved. He gets offense because he initiates and lets the ball move around and make its way back to him. And that goes a long way, too. And again, his just overall demeanor, he's a very likable guy. He's an easy guy to get behind, I think, uh, because he's not controversial. He's not hot headed. He just goes out and he just does, you know, just just silent killing when he's on the basketball court. So um, I, I think a lot of that just makes him a little bit more likable and encourages guys to get behind him pretty easily. Getting to some, I guess, quote unquote, NBA smart guy stuff. Your brand is obviously a lot about the CBA team building. I just wanted to get into discussion because we talked about this earlier off pod about how many actual superstars there are in the NBA. And I just wanted to lay it up to you to talk about how important it is getting Shea as the guy, because a lot of organizations would uproot their entire franchise just to get one guy like this and then start over. Yeah. It's when the thunder acquired Shea Gildas Alexander, um, he, he came off of a playoff series that was really impressive against the warriors. And I had made the comment at the time, like, Oh, this guy could make multiple all-star teams, um, which there's a lot of guys that make one all-star teams, one all-star team and they're done. Uh, but I mm-hmm. thought Shea was going to make multiple, and that was obviously, admittedly, um, a, a little bit of uh, recency bias that seeped into that. Um, and even then, that first season when he was in OKC playing off of Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, like, okay, yeah, th- this guy, he's, he looks pretty good. Even then, there was still a lot of debate over, is this a cornerstone guy? There was a lot of people that probably would have gladly thrown him into a trade to go get Cade Cunningham, who was the hot name at the top of the draft, obviously very relevant locally as well. Um, and so j- just the fact that he keeps that he keeps building and, and it's sort of the story of his career. You know, he's always been um, yeah, he was like the seventh highest rated recruit uh, at Kentucky. He was, you know, not a highly rated high school player. He's, he's always kind of been in the shadows a little bit. And, you know, just as he keeps growing and keeps developing, um, you know, it's, it's kind of marvelous. And again, when OKC makes that trade, sending Paul George to the Clippers, I think the headline at the time was more about those five future draft picks and not so much about Shea. Um, and, and it's, we, we just didn't know. And again, that's sort of the beauty of this sport is watching these guys just explode out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I was right there with you where I saw him as like a number two or a number three on a team. Whenever he first got to the Thunder, I thought maybe like a Drew Holiday caliber, but he's just completely gone out of his way and just blown down these doors and exploded these boundaries that we have for him. And he just continues to get better every off season to the point where guys like you and I, where it's like, I don't even want to project Shea. Like, I'm just going to assume he's going to get better until he does. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair is, uh, you know, we, we keep trying to put a little bit of a ceiling on him and then he blows past that. Uh, either we, we compare him to a certain guy or, you know, well, yeah, he's pretty good, but is he going to get the respect from the refs? And then he he finds crafty ways to get to the free throw line over and over. He's got that sort of respect in the league to to draw that contact and get the officials to call the fouls. Um, he has altered his game. You know, a couple of seasons ago, he was taking, remember, all sorts of like sidestep three-pointers and fall. It, it was 
part of it was out of necessity because, you know, the ball came to him in the most dire of situations with, you know, five seconds or less on the shot clock. Uh, some of it was sort of experimental and his shooting percentage suffered and those got cut out of his game. He could probably stand to add the three point shot in a little bit more, but he's so good in the mid range game. So good around the basket. Um, you might as well ride that as long as you can and let the other guys, you know, nail those big shots for you. So, you know, the fact that he has been able to, you know, identify, okay, that type of shot, it's not good for me, not good for the team. We're going to we're going to ax that and I'm going to focus on this instead and make all these strides. Um, you know, again, it's it is the type of player that a lot of teams, you know, w- would kill to have. This the, this is why teams tank year in year out to find a guy like this. And here the Clippers had him as the 11th overall pick in a, in a previous draft and that the Thunder got him because Paul George wanted out. <laughs> it's just uh it, the, the Thunder were were very fortunate, you know, once again in getting this guy. Yeah, I don't think it could have worked out any better for the Thunder. You mentioned earlier just comparisons of guys him in, in the league. Earlier, I mentioned the guys who he was around at 48. So your DeAndre Aitens, your so- Sabonis's and others. I was really intrigued about who was surrounding him in the top eight this year. At five, you have Steph Curry. Six, Jason Tatum. Seven, Kevin Durant, as you mentioned. Eight is Shea. Nine, LeBron. Uh, LeBron Ten, Anthony Davis. And 11, Devin Booker. What do you think it says about Shea to just have him in that range of guy it's a pretty good club to be in um and and that's also how i look at it too more so than um is this guy actually better than this guy i mean so for example is shea better than devin booker it's probably a push you know if, if you want to sit down and say hypothetically you know with the suns and thunder trade these two guys neither team probably would for various reasons that doesn't mean one player is better than the other i think it's kind of a push so i think kind of grouping them in this tier um, is is pretty accurate, and again, that's pretty good company to be in. To be in there with a Jason Tatum, with even though you know Durant has got some mileage, and and LeBron has a lot of mileage, um, and you know you look at Steph Curry at number five. At some point, I'm pretty confident he is going to slow down, <laughs> much like LeBron has. And you know, you just think about Shea's trajectory. We could be coming back this time next year, doing this pod and talking about a guy that ESPN has firmly put in the top five. Well, that was going to be one of my next questions is what would it take for him to be in the top five? Because, I mean, if you go back last year and I told you a year earlier from today, you know, Shea's going to be looked at as a top 10 player. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine what you would say. So what would need to happen if someone said, "Okay, well, by the end of the year, Shea has been named a top five player. John, how did it happen? I mean, I'm going to go back to team performance. If OKC turns out to be a 46-plus win team, um, if they secure a playoff spot, uh, if they, if heck, if they win a first round, you know, which is, it, which is kind of a, a wild ceiling to put on this team. But this time last year, it was wild to say they'd be a play-in team, right? But that team performance with the talent surrounding him, I think if they do something like that, it gets him in the MVP conversation. He starts getting some MVP votes. And then he's going to work his way up. And I think that could happen, Michael, even if his scoring decreased from last season. Uh, and and I, I don't I don't mean that like it was ne- you know a, necess- a necessity for him to score that much last season. That was just sort of the nature of the team. There's more options this year, uh, more guys that I think are going to be able to capably score the basketball to where he will be able to kind of settle back down. And one other thing, the defensive end. That's an area that he took great strides in last year. It looks like he is still very much committed at that end. 
And if he, you know, if, if he comes out and starts getting some all defense conversation as well, that's another angle for him that could leverage him and, and move him up in these rankings. I'm with you. I think that's a great path. Like we look at these other guys around him in the top 10 guards, Steph, Luca, Booker, others. Those are all guys who you not only aren't good defenders, but you have to hide them. Whereas Shea, Mm -hmm. you can ask him to go guard someone like a Booker and he's going to do a reason. He's going to do a decent job. He's not going to get absolutely torched. And then like you mentioned, for him to get into the top five, it's more of the efficient play. It's more defense. It's uh, more uh, volume from three and just being more effective that way. And really, it's unfair to say, but it comes down to at some point it's got to happen in the postseason. And it's not Shea's fault that it hasn't happened yet. But I think getting to a second round and really going toe to toe with one of these like tier one A guys would put him in that discussion. Yeah. Yeah, that would do it as well. So uh, the path is definitely there. And again, some of this is um, you're going to see some of uh, some of the stars over the past few years probably start to sink in those rankings a little bit uh, as players like Shea and heck Victor Wimbanyana, you know, we, as soon as he hits the floor, he's probably immediately, I'm not sure where he's at in the rankings, but you know, he's probably going to instantly be in the top 10 and start to, and start rising as well. But um, he's, he's got the tools and the makeup to continue to, to do this. And, you know, again, you start putting him in all defense conversations and now you start going back to the guy he was traded for. You know, Paul George was a guy who not only was, you know, splendid offensively, but was one of the best defenders in the world. And, you know, that got him the reputation that he deserves. So, you know, the recipe is right there for Shea. Well, on this path that we keep talking about, there are going to be barriers in the way. Some of these guys that are barriers right now, Steph, LeBron, Katie, they're going to age out. There are other guys who are going to come in. So I was just going to read some names out for you. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on just which of these guards, younger guards, do you feel are peers to Shea? So we've got uh, Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, Luka Doncic, Tyrese Halliburton, Trey Young, Darius Garland, and Scoot Henderson. Who do you think are those guys that Shea will likely be competing with for the next five years or so? You know, the first thing that jumps out at me, you didn't mention Jamal Murray. And, you know, that just kind of goes to show, like, here's a guy that clearly, because he hasn't made an all-star team, and a lot of that is circumstance, and or an all-NBA team, yet you go back to that Nuggets run, and he is crucial, pivotal for that Nuggets team. Um, and, and it's kind of wild that, that like he's not mentioned in that group. So, you know, that, that shows a little bit of flaw there as well. It also shows like, look, people, people are fired up about Anthony Edwards and I'm not, I'm not saying it's not totally undeserved. Um, but I just remember, you know, we, we were so, uh, so talkative about him, uh, in FIBA and almost like setting like the expectations before the tournament even started. And he played really well. Um, but when people were talking about like, well, this could be his Durant breakout, it was like, well, let's tap the brakes a little bit here. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I wonder how much that hype train is going to slow down just a little bit. He, he's still an, an awesome player, but I think he's been sort of anointed for a position that he's not quite ready for. So, um, you know, it, amongst the guys that you mentioned, like I say, you I think you kind of focus on on Devin Booker, as talked about before. You talk about Luka Doncic. And, you know, one of the interesting things is I had asked Davis Bertans at Media Day sort of his thoughts on comparing Shea and Luka, and they are totally different players. I mentioned Shea is a guy that will come down and get the offense started and work himself in, whereas Luka is the offense, right? Um, and 
when you look at these teams and, and who is likely to have postseason success, the Suns are set up to potentially do very well. The Mavericks are kind of in limbo. The Thunder are right there in that mix as well. So I would kind of focus there on on Luka and, and Booker and, and think about him being in that tier. I agree. And Jamal Murray, it is funny that he wasn't mentioned. He's the only player in NBA history who we feel like needs to prove it in the regular season. Every other guy like Harden is like, can you do it in the playoffs? Jamal Murray yeah. is like, well, let's see in February when you're in Detroit. Do, do you have it? Like we saw in the finals. But I mean, there's guys yeah. like De'Aaron Fox, LaMelo Ball. You can go down the line. We're sort of in this golden age of young guards. So it's going to be very interesting for Shea, just this juxtaposition for him. But I'm with you. I think that his two main peers are Booker and Luka. But it's going to be super interesting to see how this goes forward because Shea, unlike both those guys, is in a position where he's not needed too much, but also not needed like uh, where he's being marginalized, if that makes sense. Where Luca, it's like it's got to be him all the time, and then Booker, it's kind of sharing. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, I I think you're exactly right about the golden age of guards. Um, and heck, you might even throw Wimbanyama in there, even though he's going to be what a power forward, but he's going to be like a power point guard at times. I I don't know. He's just, uh, you know, he's, he's going to have a lot of. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of ball handling responsibilities like these guys as well, and. You know, look, LaMelo Ball was was the hot name a couple of years ago. Um, obviously had a lot of injuries, but the Hornets are kind of in a mess right now. He's kind of forgotten. And so, you know, once again, going to focus on as as the Thunder continue to improve, as they hopefully do, and Shea is part of that, that's only going to uh, reinforce his case for all these accolades. I'm right there with you. I'm expecting a, a good year for him this year. Um I think that we're going to see a lot of great play from Shea. And the cool thing is we mentioned all these young guards. There are two other guys on the Thunder roster in Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams, who we even get to. But Shea is definitely the crown jewel of this. And just relaying back to what we said, um, Shea is the biggest piece of the puzzle. And when you're building a team, not all the pieces are the same size. So now it's just about if Presti and co can find the right smaller pieces to fit around him. Yeah, and it, that is that is obviously the the whole idea behind the drafting decisions that they made uh, is to get more perimeter guys and and they are you know they got some shooters as well but again more guys that create offense not only can they create offense but they are able to play off the ball as well and so when Shea needs to be in that type of a role that he can set up you know some of his teammates and they can finish uh, off of some of the sets that they've created so. Um, you're definitely interested in seeing how those guys are thought of over time. Uh, where are they ranked? And and I don't even know if Chet is even on this list because he didn't play last season, but um, I, I haven't even looked. Where where does ESPN think Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams belong? Josh Giddy was around the 50s, around a guy like Franz Wagner, so I think that's relatively fair if it's just in that category. Just mm. as the 50 best, best player in the NBA, I don't know about that. Somehow Chet and Victor are both ranked, even though they haven't played. So I I have some trouble with that. And then I think that J-Dub is around like the 70s, 80s, 90s range. So okay. definitely a lot of room for improvement. But you know with this stuff with the NBA ranks, they're always trying to project ahead to protect themselves. So we'll we'll see what happens. 
Sure. And, you know, if, if there's a way to inject a little bit of controversy to get people talking about it and complaining about it and fighting about it, uh, you know, that's definitely an angle, too, on these things. It's, uh, it is it is a talk piece, right, more than anything. It's just something for you and I to kind of sit down and, you know, and go over. But, you know, there there is a little bit of a, a of a lens here on how the national people are looking at this Thunder team. When they've been off the radar for a couple of years, their, you know, their attention has been elsewhere as it should be, you know, focusing on teams that are chasing NBA titles or, you know, like LeBron chasing a scoring title, all of these other storylines going on in the league while the Thunder were kind of, you know, doing their rebuild. And, you know, Shea was a guy that we kind of have an eye on, but we'll check back in on him later. Um, And now it's kind of realigning to where the Thunder are are picking up a lot of attention nationally. Shea is naturally going to get the benefit of that as well. Yeah. And you're hearing a lot of people who are very plugged in say these things. It's not some hot take artist. It's the Woj, it's the Brian Windhorse, it's the people who it's like, when they say something, the NBA world like really sits up and listens. So hearing their kind of seal of approval has got to be something vindicating for Thunder fans, but also probably makes them a little bit nervous too. Sure. And look, the way this team was building, this was going to come. Like this type of attention and the um, the, the expectations as, you know, some, some of the national folks kind of have their own belief on what this team should do to start building around Shea and their expectations on where this team is going to go. And obviously the local folks are going to have, you know, their own set of expectations as well. But now this can become bigger talking points on a lot of these podcasts, you know, and, and they're just going to get noticed a lot more. They've been under the radar or frankly off the radar. I think they were kind of under the radar last year. They're on the radar now. And so uh, that's only going to build and um, it's going to be fascinating to see if everything Sam's put together is, you know, is going to click like it looks like it, like it looks like it may. We'll see if they have to make some tweaks along the way to really make things gel. But um, it's nice to have after a couple of years, uh, some actual, you know, like useful, uh, meaningful, talented pieces to mess with here. I'm ready for basketball feelings again. I'm ready to be heard again by expectations and watching some big games. So John, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this season as we get closer and closer to opening night. So it should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. Season kicks off again Wednesday uh, next week at Chicago, then at Cleveland next Friday before they come for their home opener on Sunday afternoon. So uh, so with that, Michael, I'm going to I'm going to take those trusty hosting reins off of your hands. Thank you for assuming that burden uh, for this show and helping me out there a little bit. Uh, but that is the big friendly sports show with John Hamford this week. Uh, season's ramping up and it's going to be exciting. So be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, check out my content at selloutcrowd.com. Uh, check out Brett Dawson as well, who is also covering the Thunder. Uh, look for his content. Find me on YouTube, on Twitter, what X. I, I hate that we have to keep having to clarify what the name of the platform is now. Uh, on Instagram, TikTok, John Ham is showing up on TikTok. Find me there as well. Uh, thank you all for following along. We'll catch up with you next week. Here we go.